What's up, young adults? Hey, guys. Good evening. Good evening. Um, we are in a series called Questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask. And um, it's based on a book by Mark Middleberg where he jumps into some fairly controversial topics. And uh, we're going to kind of take our own direction with it and just allow you guys the opportunity to ask your own hard questions. So this number, while it's up here on the screen, will be up here the whole time I'm up here. Uh, feel free to text your questions, any question that you have. Don't hesitate. Anything you've ever wondered or questioned about faith, about God, about religion, about even other religions, whatever, just go ahead and text those. And it's totally totally anonymous but the whole idea is like man what if what if the church was the safest place on earth to talk about anything right that's what we kind of want to foster here in this community of young adults and um, and I'm proud of you guys we've been jumping into small groups for a couple of weeks it's something that young adults here did for a lot of years and then over the summer we kind of broke away from that and um, it felt good to be back in that place of of talking of jumping into conversations and I'm excited. Um, tonight, we're jumping into the question, does hell exist? And if it does, is God really going to send people there? It's kind of a heavy question. And um, so the last couple of talks that we've done have been more philosophical. Philosophical? Is that, yeah, that's the word. Sorry. I did graduate promise. Um, yeah, the last couple of messages have been more philosophical. Tonight, we're going to be talking more theology, okay? Um, and I think that that's going to be important, and I'm going to move quickly. Feel free, if you ever need to, to just shoot a picture of the screen, um, and I have all the scripture and stuff. So if you're question, if you're, if you like want to dig in deeper on something that you heard that's kind of prompting something, Definitely hit me up afterwards, and, and I can give you scripture for all of this. A lot of it actually comes from Crossroads' own statement of faith. So that's a fantastic place. We're going to be jumping into that quite a bit throughout the evening. So does hell exist, and will God really send people to hell? Now, I just want to invite you guys into my middle school years, okay? I am getting ready to go into sixth grade. I go to a summer camp, and I hear uh, one of the preachers there said, don't be that kind of Christian that's always having to go back to God and ask for forgiveness over and over and over. And uh, that really messed with my head, okay, because... I was like, okay, so I don't want to break these rules, and, uh, and I don't want to be this kind of kid. I'm in the sixth grade. I like, I'm breaking rules every five minutes, right? And I'm like angry, and then I'm stealing stuff and, and saying bad, you know, all these things, right? And I'm like feeling defeated. Anybody ever been there before, right? You feel like you're defeated? Um, so then... Our blend of Christianity growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, our blend of Christianity believed that, um, that you could actually lose your salvation. Okay, we believed that and, and we taught that. And basically when sin enters your life, um, the, the lesson there was that you can be in a relationship with God, but you can backslide and you can lose your salvation. Um, there, are, there are some denominations that believe that and... Um, and I just want to just preface, like, that's not where I'm at today um, and would love to talk more about that. That is an entirely different conversation <laughs> that we're having tonight. But 
the whole idea was that I was, I was terrified as a sixth grader thinking like, man, okay, so I'm going to go ask for forgiveness, but then I'm going to do something and screw it up, and then I'm not saved. And the God came back at that moment because you got to be ready or you're going to get left behind. And if God comes at that second, and I was just a mess. I was a mess. And I, I would screw up, and I would think, oh, shoot, like, this was like five minutes since I messed up. I can't be that Christian that's always having to go back and ask God for forgiveness. So what did I do? I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't go back to the Father. I was like, okay, I'm going to try to be good for as long as I can, and maybe that will be long enough for me to feel like I'm not one of those Christians that's always going back to God. for. You guys have tell, you can tell I've ta- thought this through really well, right? Um, so... I thought that my salvation was like this fluid thing where one second, you know, I'm saved and then uh, I mess up and then all of a sudden my, my, my salvation is gone and what if Jesus came during that time and um, I got to this point where I just gave up. I gave up in middle school. I said, I'm never going to be good enough to actually be good, <laughs> Kind of circular thinking, right? I'm never going to be good enough to earn that, to, to like hold on to that salvation because I just messed up, right? I was a sixth grader. Holy smokes, man, I still can't not mess up. And I'm, <laughs> you know, a little older now. So please know, first and foremost, I had some pretty huge misunderstandings of who God is and what it meant to be a Christian, but this hell thing is something I thought about a lot. And I, and I really almost accepted this idea that, man, I'm just, that's where I'm headed. <laughs> Actually, in middle school and high school, I dealt with a lot of depression. And it, and it led to a lot of other things. But um, part of that depression, I think, came out of this idea like, man, I'm just, I'm not good enough. I keep messing up. I keep messing up. And if I lose my salvation when I sin, then I'm just doomed. I'm doomed. And so this was a big thing for me um, growing up. And, and luckily, I've kind of worked a lot of it out and, and really um, worked through that. But um, it really affected my perspective of, like, hell. I really thought about it a lot. And, and was I going to go there and, and, uh, and all these things. So um, we're going to jump into this question. Are, is hell a real place? And is God really going to be sending people to hell? Um, so before we jump into this, I want to like preface all of this with something, okay? Um, we need to ask and we need to talk about this idea of religious language, talking about things, talking about God, talking about heaven, talking about hell. What we have to realize is that we are talking out of our own vocabulary. We're talking out of our own experiences, our own culture, right? And so everything that we say about God, about heaven, about hell is necessarily analogical. What does that mean? That means we can't not talk about God in analogy. Think about this one. Uh, you know, we say God the Father. God's a good Father. What am I doing? I'm drawing an analogy of God and our concept in humans, of humanity, of God, of, of Father. Now, those of you guys who are here that have like a strained relationship with your father, it's a real thing. You know, this is a perfect example of how this kind of language can kind of make, kind of muddy the waters, right? 
It kind of makes things a little harder. It doesn't make it more clear. And so um, sometimes this language, this analogical language that we necessarily have to use is, it's, it's not perfect. It's not, it's not adequate. We're never going to be able to use language that describes the real, actual glory of the Father, Right? The best that we can do is say it's like light or, you know, we can describe it as best we can. So we need to think about these things when we talk about, you know, heaven, hell. What's, what are some analogical ways that we try to describe heaven? Just throw, just throw them out. What's that? Paradise. Perfect. Perfect paradise, right? Gold, gold um, roads, Gold paved roads, all these things, right? Those are those are analogies that are intended for us to be able to like think about heaven, but it's still it still falls short, right? Because it's still like our concept of paradise, right? Or our concept of what perfect is. And so we need to think about that. When we're talking about hell, it's the same way. When we're talking about hell, it's the same way. We can't really talk about the actual metaphysical hell. When we use language talking about hell, all we're grasping at is our own understandings of things like, and the Bible uses like fire and some of these things that, that, that explain it as best as we can. So when we're talking about hell, we need to think about that this evening. Um, the big question is, does this make our conversation about these things meaningless? And I think the answer is no, because it means something to me and you. We can talk about it together because I could say God is light, and you know what light means, right? So when we talk about, you know, um, what hell looks like, what it might feel like, or what it might be like, or what that experience might be, um, it means something between us because we're both speaking from our own context. Okay, so what's the goal for tonight? Um, as I was preparing for this, um, I thought that a good place for us to start would be to look actually at Crossroads Statement of Faith. Um, and what I love about our Statement of Faith is um, it's not written in this like real crazy high religious language. Um, so you can actually look it up. And if you want to, it's on, it's at uh, visitcrossroads.com and you'll see a link for about, and then you can click on that and you can see our Statement of Faith right there if you want to go, go through this with us tonight. Um, from that, I'm just going to kind of give you a little bit of a, a foundation, okay? And then we'll, go, we'll build on top of that. So hell is a real place of punishment set aside for the devil and his demons and is a natural consequence for not receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're going to look at a couple of verses that they use to, to build this statement. So first one is Matthew 25, 41, and I'll throw it up here. Then he will say, talking about Jesus, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So what do we see? We see that, okay, um, there's, there's an eternal fire. It was originally created and prepared for the devil and his angels. And uh, it sounds like Jesus is, is sending somebody there. Okay, so next, uh, and this one's actually really good, Revelations 20, 10 through 15. A little bit longer. And the devil, this is kind of a narrative. It gives us a good um, 
visual, sort of, uh, of what's happening at the end of um, at the end of the age. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened, multiple books, at least two. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. So now we have how many books? Three books, right? Three books. The dead, at least three, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in those books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. The death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Okay. So that's a lot of like really heavy kind of dark stuff. Um, on the On the positive note, from our statement of faith, we see that heaven on the contrary, is the place where believers will spend eternity with God. We've got a lot of um, verses to, to back that up. So anyway, this might be called a theology of the afterlife, right? A theology of what happens after we die. And it's important for us to think about these things because it, it, it um, you know, think about, you know, maybe there's a, a, a theology that uh, of reincarnation, right? That's a real thing. Um, people believe in those things, um, and so that would align you with a particular faith tradition. Um, so what we believe about what happens after we die is super important. We need to ask ourselves, like, where, where am I? Where am I? We talk about this a lot. What do you, what do you believe and why do you believe it? Uh, we need to know those things. So um, the concern, and, and I, think, I think this is where the problem lies, okay? The concern for so many, including myself, this was a real struggle for me too, is when we look at statistics. If we look at statistics, there's 7.8 billion people in the world and 2.5 billion people identify as Christians. It's kind of concerning, right? If you take just those figures and you extrapolate that out, it looks like most people are going to hell. Is God failing to get people into heaven? Is that the question we should be asking? Have you guys ever struggled with this? In my mind, I'm like, okay, this is, this is kind of a struggle point. And um, sometimes it feels like it's unfair that so many people will be sent to hell. And I think that's why this issue ultimately is a, is a stumbling block, is a struggle for so many people. And just like we talked about last week about the problem of evil, I think similarly the problem of hell um, or the, the reality of hell or our theology of hell is something that people um, really find it as a, as a barrier for them to be able to come to believe in God. And the reality is, is that what I remind myself when I go there, when I start thinking like, okay, you know, this isn't so good, I, re- I remind myself that it's necessary to have a better understanding 
of God's holiness, his goodness, his righteousness. And when we think about it in that light, the reality is that some must go to hell. Some must go to hell. All right, so I'm going to run through this pretty quickly. And this is just going to be a conversation starter. Um, this is kind of the the general evangelical belief uh, about hell, and then we can jump into small groups, okay? So I'm going to kind of shotgun this really quickly. Like I said, feel free to take some pictures if you want, okay? So because God is completely righteous and morally perfect, he always does what's right, and there's no darkness in God. Not the smallest speck of imperfection. We've talked about this. We've talked about how God is perfect. He's maximally powerful. He's maximally knowledgeable. He's in all places at all times. He is perfect. He has to be because it's necessitated from his godness. Because he's God, he's maximally perfect in all of these areas. Now, because of that, that means that God is perfectly just and he's perfectly merciful. He's perfectly just and he's perfectly merciful. Now, if a judge is too heavy on one side or the other, the quality, the other quality is weakened, right? Think about a judge who's just handing out heavy sentences all day long, left and right. His, his mercy comes into question. Right, and think about a judge who's just constantly, um, you know, giving give get out of jail free cards, and suddenly his his judgment, his justness, is called into question. God is perfectly just and perfectly merciful. In fact, what I would argue is that you can't have real justice without mercy, and you can't have real true mercy without justice. Okay, we need both. And I think that's what's uh, beautiful about our God is that I love that we have a God who is, is merciful. Gosh, because I need that grace every single day of my life. But I also love that our God is a God of justice because I see wrong, I see evil, I see sin happening in this world. And, and I, I've committed my own bit of it. But, but man, I love the fact that he hates sin and he believes Injustice. So, where do we go from here? Because God is an eternal God. The punishment for sinning against him, the just punishment for sinning against an eternal God, the God of the universe, that's got to be pretty big, right? The punishment would be an eternal separation, punishment for our sin. So the just consequence for sinning against an eternal God would be an eternal consequence. So that's the consequence, is that because we've sinned, we deserve death, separation, spiritual death. But just as God's justness is so maximal, right, maximal, if we've sinned against God, we deserve eternal separation. That's what we deserve. His mercy is just as maximal. And I love this. Just as God, just as God has uh, a hand on bringing about justice in the world, he has an equal hand and pulse on bringing about his mercy. And that 
plan, if you think about the evil, the evil that he's bringing justice against has, has um, infiltrated the entire world. And I think for a plan, uh, uh, an adequate, perfect plan of mercy, it would have to be available to the whole world. So going back to our statement of faith, we believe that Jesus died for all our sins because we cannot pay the penalty ourselves, right? We go into this, um, it's really a discussion of blood covenants, blood covenants. And we go back, um, all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, we see all of these covenants that God enters into. And if we look inside of those covenants, the, the way that a person's sin in a, in a covenant is atoned for is through sacrifice. And we can't, we can't do it because we're not perfect. So Jesus paid that penalty. Now, because of that, each individual must decide if they will accept the gift of forgiveness and eternal life by receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So we, so the gift, the gift has been bought, it's been paid for, and it's extended out. It's offered. And all we have to do at that point is accept it. So where does this leave us? Where does this leave us? I think, I think we can say, yes, hell is a real place. And there's, there's way more discussion that we could get into. In fact, I was thinking, man, we probably should just make a whole series out of this issue alone and talk it through because there's a lot of competing theories about what hell is. One of those, we were talking about this earlier, is it eternal conscious torment? Is it, are, we, are, are people actually burning in a lake of fire? I don't know. I don't know that that's true. Maybe that's an analogy and the, and, and the reality, if we look at this, um, on the um, southwest side of Jerusalem was this place called Gehenna, right? And they would burn their trash, they would burn bodies, and it was a constant, eternal, smoldering, stinky, disgusting, maggot-filled fire. And so when Jesus is talking about where hell is and what it's going to look like and, and, and the warnings to not send your life in that direction, he's, he's referencing Gehenna and he's saying it's like this so that they had a frame of reference for what this thing might be like. And so there are a lot of different theories. Maybe it is a physical burning um, and, and I don't know that I agree with that. The other theory is that it's, it's conscious torment for eternity. There's another theory that, hey, people that do bad things are actually ushering hell into their lives in the here and the now. So there's a lot of different competing theories about it, and we can, man, we could talk about that for a while. But tonight, I think we can at least agree that, yes, hell is a place. It's a real thing because a just and righteous God necessitates it. So I would argue that hell must exist. Kind of like the, the reality of evil almost necessitates a God, right? We talked about that. The reality of evil in the world is actually not a good argument for the non-existence of God. It's actually a great argument for the existence of God. Same thing, I believe, if we look at God and we look at his perfect justness and his perfect mercy, I think that necessitates a hell. A hell. And I think that necessitates that our God will unfortunately send people there. 
sometimes we get fixated on things and, it, and, and we, that's all that we see and, and we're so fixated on it that it becomes the whole thing. And I think the reality and, and, and the, the danger is missing the bigger picture, the meta narrative of God's plan for redemption for the world. You see, this, this gift, this life is available to all human beings. He's not going to force us to believe, right? He's not going to force us into it because then we're just robots. He has to give us a choice, an opportunity to love him authentically. And because of that, he gives us the choice to reject him. But this gift is available to all. I want to just encourage you this evening. Um, one of the things that I struggled with for a long time because I, I kind of found out about God and then I kind of lived for 20 years like I just rejected his purposes for my life. And then when I finally wanted to come to God, I, I had all this shame. I, I was buried in shame. And, and as I came to God, I just I thought, man, there's no way you're going to forgive all the crazy stuff that I've done. I just want to encourage you this evening, there's nothing there's nothing in your past that our God isn't big enough to forgive and redeem. I think about that sixth grade version of myself. If I could go back, what would I say to him? You know, here um, as an older person and uh, encouraging, because I just, I buried myself in the shame, is I would say absolutely be that person that is always running back to the Father. Don't ever stop being that person that's always running back to the Father because he, he is just, his grace is endless. He just, he wants to love, he wants to redeem all our lives. So let me just pray and then we'll jump into small group. Father, thank you for hell. Thank you for that. Because, because of that, I know that you're a just God. God, I've seen so much evil, so much sin, darkness, plaguing the world around us. And I have hope in the fact that someday you're going to bring it all around. You're going to make it all right. You're going to heal all of these things. And because of that, because of that, we have hope tonight. It sounds hard. Maybe we're um, talking about a really heavy subject. I pray that you would just help us to connect with each other on this difficult issue, this difficult question. Father, thank you for the person who asked this. And I think about the person behind that question. And I think about, man, what experiences, what hardship, what struggles maybe they're dealing with as they ponder these things, because I've been there. I've been there, and God, I just thank you for, for, for giving freedom and truth to know that, man, we have hope in you, that you're not a bad God, you're a good God. So help us just lean into this conversation this evening, and, uh, and leave here a change in Jesus' name. Amen.